so some of you may have already seen this video. I'm not sure, but this um, Be Present has been the CNMA's missions emphasis for a little while now. And But the reason I felt the need to show it today is because this theme, Be Present, has been just popping up all over in so many people and places that I've interacted with. This theme, be present, God has just been speaking over these people and places, starting with me. And so I believe it would be foolish of me to ignore that and not share about it when given the opportunity. So that's going to be our focus today, is just being present. So I'll start with just some of what the Lord has been sharing with me about this theme. And uh, some of you already know this about me, but I have a problem with putting too much on my plate and just filling my schedule back to back with no margins, no time for rest. And that's something I've been really working on the past couple of years. I do not recommend living that way, by the way. I'm really working hard to like go against that. But like I've been learning through it. And something that I have learned while working through this is that when you schedule your life that way, you end up isolating mentally because you're always thinking about what's next on your to-do list, the next thing that you're going to be doing on your schedule that day. And you end up not being mentally present in the moment, like in your current situation with the people that you're with. And so in like the counseling world and the you know psychology world, a way that they have you work on this is by practicing something called mindfulness. And basically mindfulness is just becoming more aware of your surroundings by interacting with it through your five senses. So, you know, you might list audibly the things that you see. You're going to reach out and touch the things that are around you. You're going to list what you smell, what you hear, um, even what you taste. And that helps you to become aware of your current situation, what is present around you. And we do that by actually interacting with what is around us. And so like, as I've been working on this, I realized that it's so interesting that we can be physically present with people or in a community, but not be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually present there. And it's so important that we are fully present in these spaces. Because as Dr. John Stumbo explained in the video, we're called to be present. Because Jesus himself became present in the world, stepping into the world, taking on flesh, and making his presence among us. And we are called to do that same thing. See, Jesus did that. He became present in the world because there was a great need. People were without hope, separated from God, um, in desperate need of a savior. They were in need of a sanctifier who would lead them in the way of righteousness and teach them how to live and transform them. In need of a healer. For their, for their brokenness and their sickness, and in need of a good and loving king who would lead them lovingly. But the truth is that there is still great need in the world today. That need didn't just vanish. 
when Jesus came. It's still here today until he returns. There are lost and broken people all around us. And I can say through personal experience over the past couple of years, I have had countless conversations with unbelievers who were expressing like these intense feelings of anxiety and depression, fear, hopelessness, a sense of impending doom. Like these are the themes that are around the world today. And one conversation that I had with a friend in particular that stands out to me, she expressed that she believes her life has no significance, no value, no purpose. That was so heartbreaking to hear. What is life? You know, if she has no purpose, no value, she said she believes she's just a blip in the universe because she's been taught that she's nothing more than a cosmic accident. There is still great need for the hope of Jesus in the world today, and so we need to be present in these places. And the thing is that you know, Jesus is still present in the world today, even though he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And there are many ways that he is, he is present and dwelling among us, but one of the main ways that he does that is through the church. It's through you and it's through me. But he doesn't force it. It still requires obedience on our part. We have to follow the steps that he calls us to take. Unfortunately, we're not doing this blindly. He's given us a pretty clear example in the Gospels. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn with me to John chapter 20, we're going to start at verse 19. This is where our message is coming from today. We'll reference a couple other scriptures, but this is the bulk of it. So verse 19, we find the disciples in a very similar place here of fear and hopelessness. It reads, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. I'm going to pause there for a second. John 20, verse 19. So they were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. In this moment, the disciples had just lost their best friend and their Messiah. They were grieving, they were broken, they were most likely feeling hopeless and confused at this moment. Just put yourself in their shoes, imagine that feeling. And they were hiding out for fear of their lives, scared that the Jewish leaders would do to them what they had done to Jesus. But the passage goes on. Uh, This is verse 20. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So after we, um, after we see the situation that the disciples are in here, the first thing that we are told is that Jesus came and stood among them. 
So even in this scary, messy, dark situation, Jesus stepped in. I mean, he just has a great pattern of doing that. But he steps into the situation and stands with them. And it emphasizes such an important truth for us that is all throughout scripture. And most of us know this already, but I find that like the disciples, we often forget it when in the face of fear. And that is that Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. That name is ascribed to Jesus because it describes Jesus. It is his nature, his character, that he is with us. He's the very image of the invisible God, God in flesh. It was sent by the Father so that we could know God and that we could know God's will. And Jesus, he set that perfect example. He showed us through his earthly ministry what the Father's will is. But he also spelled it out for us very clearly. In John 6, I might have this up on a slide. I know, we do, great. He said, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So that spells it out very clearly what the Father's will is. It is that we would have eternal life. Okay, but it's not just for the sake of living forever. God wants us to have eternal life so that he might dwell with us, that we would be with him. We see that in Revelation 21, verse 3. Um, when the new heaven and the new earth are presented, John heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. See, we have this hope of fully dwelling with God in heaven. But Jesus' earthly ministry is proof that God doesn't want to wait until heaven to dwell with us. He wants to dwell with us now, even while the darkness remains. And when we understand this truth, we can combat the lie that the enemy tries to tell us when he says that if you see darkness around you, that means Jesus isn't with you. Like, how often are we faced with challenges and trials and scary things, and we ask, God, where are you? It's so easy for us to buy into that lie and say, if there's darkness, then Jesus, you must have abandoned me. But it's not true. He steps into the darkness. He is still there. So no matter what you're facing, if you lost a loved one, you have health problems, financial problems, whatever it may be, Jesus is still present in the midst of it. He's still with you. He's famous for stepping into the dark and messy places. And that is the gospel. That is who he is. He's not this distant God who sits comfy in heaven while we stay on earth struggling. Like, he, of course, dwells in the heavenly realms, but he also steps in to the mess. 
He sacrificed the comfort and glory of heaven to be with us. He endured hunger, pain, temptation, and eventually a brutal death. Can we just imagine for a second? I think we just, we take that for granted sometimes. Like imagine if you had the opportunity to never again have to face any pain or sickness, hunger, grief, or death. Like if you had that opportunity, would you step outside of that and willingly go through it all so that somebody else could have peace? I'm going to dig into that more later, but I'll be honest. There are times like we, we don't have that opportunity, but what little comfort we do have, we often are unwilling to sacrifice. But that is how great Jesus's love is for us. And the disciples, they understood, like they knew this truth, okay? But it appears in this situation that they either forgot that truth, or at the very least, they were doubting the truth that Jesus is with them. And we can't really blame them. If anybody had an excuse to doubt Jesus's presence, it was the disciples who had just watched him die, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, we can't, we can't blame them. Sometimes we give them a hard time, but like we would be the same. I mean, how often do we doubt Jesus's presence? Like I said earlier, and we know the end of the story. <laughs> we know that he raised from the dead. We know that he is always present. They kind of knew, like they had been told, but they, they hadn't seen it like come to fruition, you know? And so they weren't really understanding how that would all click. We see it. We know it. And so when Jesus appeared to them post-resurrection, he was proving to them that he is forever Emmanuel, God with us. That even death could not keep him from dwelling with his people. Nothing can keep God from dwelling with his people. And once the disciples remembered this truth, when they saw that Jesus was with them, their actions were drastically changed, right? They went from hiding in fear to boldly proclaiming the very truth that had them hiding in the first place. And the reason that that change was able to happen is because Jesus's presence brings peace. That's the first thing that he said to them when he approached them post-resurrection. He said, peace be with you their reason for fear was gone because Jesus had just overcome it. And so I want to skip over verse um, 21 for a minute. We'll come back to it. But I really believe that verse 22 is critical for us to understand when reading verse 21. It says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The reason that this is so important here is because Jesus was not going to remain with them in the way that he had been in the flesh, right? In Acts 1, we see that he ascended to heaven. So he wasn't with them in the flesh anymore. And if his ascension meant that his presence would no longer be with them, then that peace would be gone. 
they would go back into hiding, like it would all be undone, basically. So when Jesus said that he was going to give them his Holy Spirit, he's saying, I'm giving you my presence. My presence will stay with you. And this is true for us, too. It's true for all followers of Jesus. In Ephesians 1, 13, it says that when you believed the gospel, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So while in the Old Testament, see, God has always been a God who dwells with us. In the Old Testament, when he dwelled in the tabernacle and in the temple, well, that shifted with Jesus's earthly ministry. Now he's dwelling with us through the person of Jesus. And then when Jesus ascended, that kind of shifted to now he dwells on earth through the Holy Spirit, through you and me, the church, his dwelling place. We are his temples, his tabernacle. And we receive blessings from God when we receive his Holy Spirit. He sets us free from the power of the enemy, from the power of sin. And he produces fruit in us. Joy, love, peace. And he transforms us into the likeness of Jesus, which is perfection. But that's not the sole reason that Jesus poured his spirit upon us, which we'll see a little bit later in that same passage. He poured his spirit upon us so that we might bless others, too. So it's a, it's a twofold purpose, to bless us and to bless the world around us. And this happens as God carries out his will through us on earth. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples that they'll receive power from the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being his witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then a couple of chapters later in Acts 4, I think we might have that one up here too. We do. We see that, I love when, when things work out. That's great. Okay. Um, we see that the Holy Spirit empowered the disciples with boldness and wisdom as they proclaimed the good news, even while facing imprisonment or death. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly for the purpose of blessing others and leading them into the peace of God. So it's, it's a twofold purpose to ensure that Jesus would always be present with us but then also to send us out into the world as carriers of his presence. And the way that we carry God's present presence into the world is by being present. We cannot carry his presence anywhere if we aren't present there. So this brings us back to verse 21. When again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. And so Jesus was speaking directly to the disciples here, but this also directly applies to us. Okay, because just as the Holy Spirit was poured upon them, we saw in Ephesians that we also have received the Holy Spirit. 
But I think the logic that Jesus is using here is the disciples were followers of Jesus, and we are also followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus follow in his footsteps. And so if Jesus was sent, that means if we're following him, we are also sent. If Jesus was present, that means we also should be present. And so we need to follow Jesus' example as carriers of his presence, which is basically what we looked at earlier, how he did that. And so that means that we don't avoid the dark and the messy places of this world, or even the scary places, because Jesus doesn't avoid those places. And so that's why I go back to earlier when I said, imagine having the option of never having to face pain, hunger, grief, or death. Like we don't have that opportunity here. But like I said, what little comfort we do have in this world, we are so often unwilling to sacrifice, myself included in that. Now it looks different for everyone, but it might look like spending all of your free time at home and never going out and being in your community or being with people. That might look like spending all of your time in the church, which is a good place to be, but we are also called to be sent and not just stay here. Now, like I'm not saying that you should go out seeking danger, by any means, like we don't want to be thrill seekers. But what I'm saying is that if we are truly following Jesus and allowing his will to rule our lives, odds are very good that we will end up in those dark and messy situations because that is where Jesus goes. That's where he is. So if we are not in those places, we should probably ask, Am I following God's will? Am I in line with what he is doing? We need to be present in order to carry his presence. And I'm going to take it one step further in that, yes, we are called to step into those places. But sometimes we step into those places and don't bring the peace of Jesus' presence. Okay, like we saw, as soon as he stepped into that situation with the disciples, he said, peace be with you. And he not only said it, but his presence actually brought that peace, that transforming peace. So when we step into these places, are we allowing the presence of God to bring peace into those places through us? when Jesus, like in his earthly ministry, some of the ways that he would do this, and now he still does it this way, but the example that he set was he would bring that peace through proclaiming the gospel, right? Because the truth of the gospel brings peace to our souls, right? And he also demonstrated it by bearing the burdens of others, So when we step into those places, are we bearing their burdens with them? Lightening the load, sharing in the grief, sharing in the pain. 
in Matthew 10, when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples, he instructed them how to do this. He said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So we don't perform any of these miracles on our own strength. That's not what this is saying. But it's a similar concept as before, where if you are following Jesus, and if you are allowing his presence to work through you, the odds are really, really good that he will work a miracle through you and around you. Because again, he is famous for working miracles. He has a long history of working miracles. So are we seeing that when we step out? And I just want to share before I close a way that this truth has been affecting me personally. Because back in October, well, a year and a half ago, my husband and I moved to Terenum because we felt like God was calling us there to bring the hope of Jesus. And then in this past October, we had a little party and one of our neighbors, like our next door neighbor came over. And at one point she said, you guys are never home. And boy, did that hit me. I said, you know, we came here to form relationships, to bring the presence of Jesus, and we're not here. How can we do that if we're not here? And then fast forward a couple months later, and we did the calling lab at the greenhouse lab, and they asked us a couple questions. One question was, um, where do you sense the greatest need out of all your spheres of influence? Where do you sense the greatest need for Jesus's presence and ministry? And we said, oh, Tarantum. But then the other question was, where do you spend most of your time? And that was at the bottom of our list. And so we realized like, oh, we need to make some adjustments. We started making those adjustments and right around March, from like March into April, things just started like exponentially picking up. All of these relationships forming, persons of peace being found, um, one of the kids coming to church with us shortly after, like just things changed drastically. And I'll tell you, I'm still very busy. So the time that I have there is still somewhat minimal and I'm still working on this. But when we start to make those changes, it's amazing to see what God will do with even the, the tiniest bit that we have to offer him. Thing is like, these are truths that most of us already know and, you know, probably agree with, I hope. But we want to move this beyond head knowledge to a way of life. So it seems appropriate then that to close, we take a little time to reflect on this truth in our lives. So if you just want to like close your eyes and we'll just welcome the Holy Spirit into this place as we ask him some questions. God, we just provide you with room to speak. We need to hear from you. And we know that you don't shame us, God. But rather you are calling us deeper into your will. 
because that is where there is peace. That is where there is freedom. So may we approach this reflection time with hunger and excitement, allowing God to lead us just deeper and deeper into his will, where we'll see more of his spirit at work through us and around us. So one question I want to ask, if we can each just ask the Lord this question, give him space to speak, is God, how are you calling me to be present among the lost and the broken? What does that look like? Similarly, we want to ask God, where are you calling me to carry your presence beyond the church walls? deeply present, intimately present with people in the way that Jesus is, in the good times and in the mess. we love to hear your voice we love it when you speak because we know your will is perfect and good we ask God that you would continue to lead us in your will transform us day by day break our hearts God for the communities around us, for the people around us, both here and overseas, Lord. Bless us with discernment. I bless everyone here today with discernment to know where the Lord is leading you with his presence. 
And Father God, may you empower us by your spirit. We trust, we fully trust and believe that you can and you will. That is why we can step into these difficult places. Because it is you, not us. We just get to see it. We just get to be a part of it. But it's your work and your presence. So Lord, we ask for conviction. We ask for discipline. And we thank you in advance, God, always. Because we know you have such great things in store. We pray this all in your beautiful, wonderful name, Jesus. Amen.